Hey guys, Grant here. I want to tell you all about my friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of Gatlinburg who are making it possible to bring this episode to you. As you guys know, I grew up in East Tennessee, and there are two things that all East Tennesseans have in common. We all love the balls, and we all love the Smoky Mountains. Since I've moved to Nashville, I've been unable to get my Smoky Mountain fix in, but thankfully our friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of downtown Gatlinburg have me covered. They are conveniently located at 1100 Parkway and are within walking distance of all the major attractions and best food that downtown Gatlinburg has to offer. To book your Smoky Mountain getaway today, visit BlackBearGatlinburg.com or call 865-436-5656 or toll free at 1-800-933-0777. Welcome into this episode of the Fallen Out Podcast. I am Grant Williams and joining me just as he does each and every time here on the program, I have got Jordan Mountcastle with me. Jordan, I'd ask you how you're doing, but I think Dalton Connect is still scoring on those fine folks from the Plains. Man, I swear, I think I just heard him rip another 50-footer. You didn't Nothing hear him rip that. that. You know what you heard? Burke screaming, money. money. That's exactly <laughs> what you heard right there, man. Well, dude, we have a lot to dive into today on this one. I mean, man, I ain't even going to go through the rundown. We just jumping straight into this one today. My man. Tennessee picked up a massive win against the Auburn Tigers at the Food City Center on Wednesday night. The number four volunteers got the dub over the number 11 Tigers, 92-84. Dalton Connect shines once again with 39 points in this game. Josiah Jordan James becomes the second ever ball to have 100 blocks and 150 steals in their career. Santiago Vescovi now becomes the second ever ball to have 200 career steals. Rick Barnes picks up his 197th win at Tennessee. Now, here are the two that stand out the most to me, man. Tennessee has now won 80 straight games at home when leading at the half. This is the longest streak in Division I college basketball. Man, that, that's that's a mighty impressive streak, buddy. That's all That's all because of our guy, Richard Dale Barnes, right there, man. I mean, he is, he's doing something amazing. Like, And you think about this, man. You only play, what is it, 17 games, 18 games at home a year? Right. This is going way, way back. Like, this is going back probably like five, six years, honestly. Yeah, going back to the uh, the Admiral team. Dude, it, it really is. It may be even be going back further than that. Well, just, no, because Admiral Schofield was the first year. But you see what I'm saying on that. Like, it, right. it, it's going on, and it's been sticking around for a while. Now, also, Tennessee now holds the longest win streak against AP top 25 teams in SEC history with 12 wins. Man, they just just like DJ Khaled, brother. All we do is win. Dude. No matter what. Winning, winning, winning. That's all Tennessee does. Now, that's going to come back and bite us in the ass. Now, I just said that here on the air. But it is what it is. Man, Great game for everybody involved, for the Volunteers last night. Dalton Connect, though, man, he's the Tiger King. Move over, Joe Exotic. Dalton yes. Connect is the Tiger King. With 12-01 remaining in the game, Dalton had 14 points. He then proceeded to outscore Auburn over the last 12 minutes of the game, 25-21. to Man, dude, I'll tell you this. Father's Day's coming. It's just around the corner. Auburn better remember that, man. Yeah, if they don't, I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. We'll make sure they do. Best player in America, and it's not even close. Because guess what? Dalton Connect ended his night with 39, his fourth 35-plus game of the season. 
second most in Tennessee history. He also has had two 39-point games this year, the one against Auburn on Wednesday night at the Food City Center, and then also that one on a snow day against the Florida Gators at the Food City Center as well. Dude, he's just – he is – he's sick with it, man. He is sick with it. Like, yeah. what do you do to stop this man short of stabbing him? But you can't. I mean, the only way that you can stop this man is by hoping he don't show up. However yep. you can get there, because that's the only way you can. He's also had six 30-plus point games this season. Now, man, I'm going to stop here for a second, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Is he the greatest basketball player of all time to ever step foot on Tennessee's campus? Buddy, I, I can say this with full-blown confidence. He's the best basketball player I'm old enough to remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm going to say this, Tennessee was not a good basketball program for the majority of the time before we were old enough to remember. Yeah. I mean, this guy the is the is. greatest player he's ever had. It sucks he's a one-year rental and he doesn't meet the criteria for a jersey retirement, change the damn rules, announce it on senior day at halftime or before the game. No ball will ever wear number three again because he deserves it. And also, here's another thing, too. I wish college basketball would adopt the NIL jerseys like college football has because you know how many number threes we'd be seeing with that beautiful ball script on the front of it around the Food City Center. Oh, dude, it'd be it'd be just a – it'd be Connect City. They would be sold out two minutes after going online. Fanatics, listen to us. Get us the jersey. We all are dying for it, man. That's that's what we want right here in Ball Nation. And, Um, you know, since we come up with that, hit up Ball and Out with a uh, kickback. Yeah, or just sponsor the show. That's all we want. Hey, we take that, too. We're not asking for much here. Yeah, Fanatics, you gotta you gotta throw the bones to the people who are helping you out right here since we're giving you a fantastic business idea. Primo idea. Hell yeah, we are, man. Looking at these stats, man, a couple things jump out to me right here. Tennessee shot 50.9% from the field in this game. Auburn shot damn near 46% from the field in this game. Man, just that's that that blows my mind, buddy. Just like both teams were hot and they were defense was not optional in this game i think both teams were just that good that that's what i was going to say i I mean you see it all the time like in uh even in the college football playoffs you know for just for an example both teams are so good defensively are so good offensively that even if they've got a above average defense it looks pedestrian because they they execute at such a high level on offense and i think that's what we got saturday night out of, out of tennessee and auburn yeah well you absolutely did it was one of the best games i have ever been in attendance at at the food city center i've been going over there for 25 years now man the top five performance i have ever seen a tennessee team put on but the single-handedly greatest performance i've ever seen by one player and it all came by Dalton Connect, helping Tennessee get to that 51% from the field. Tennessee from three, 52.9%. So let's just call it 53%. Auburn, 41%. Man. There just wasn't much missing going on Saturday night, bud. There wasn't. And Tennessee had a good defensive game plan, man. Like, it's not like Tennessee showed up and just played piss poor defense. Man, I just feel so confident in this team because they've shown they can win any which way they can. But moving on to the free throw stats, neither was really that great. 77.1% for the Vols, 75% for the Tigers. 
rebounds. Tennessee won that battle by seven, 37 to 30. Um, assist, second game of the year that Tennessee has lost the assist battle, but still won. Kind of crazy to me on that right there. Auburn had the seven advantage on that, 20 to 13. Steals, Auburn had the advantage on that, 10 to six. Blocks, Tennessee advantage, five to three. Turnovers, 14 for Tennessee, 16 for the Tigers. Now, I'm going to stop you right here. Okay. And we need to call these three men out by name because that is way too many fouls for a college basketball game. 46 were called in total. 25 on Auburn, 21 on Tennessee. I am calling you out by name. Once again, is what I'm saying right here. Don Daly, Byron Jarrett, and Steven Anderson. What the well, hell was going on? You know what? They they all suck, but I'm just going to say this. It's not, it's not a coincidence that one dude's name, his initials are BJ. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's that's one way to look at it right there, man. I mean, it was just horrible. There was an egregious amount of fouls called. Like, Auburn got in the bonus with, like, 14 minutes left in the second half. Yeah. Tennessee ten- was in the bonus with, like, 12 minutes left. Yeah, they weren't far behind at all. I mean, there were 63 foul shots. 63 foul that shots That is way taken. too many. Like, yes. I, I went to the game with my dad, and I looked over at him the second Auburn got in the bonus, and I was like, buckle up. We're going to be here for about the next four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that was like, the, that ended up being, especially in the last five to six minutes of the game, the game that time forgot, dude. It went on forever, it seemed like. Hey, but I would still be sitting over there at the Food City Center two days later if we got the same result we got. That's right. And That's right. I would gladly take that. Tennessee's largest lead of the game was nine, where Auburn's was eight. You know, I want to I want to throw this at you there. Looking at those, some of those stats, like the assists and the uh, fast break points and stuff like that, Auburn kind of outplayed Tennessee in a, in a couple of the hustle aspects. I don't want, and I'm not saying they blew them out of the water because I mean you can look right there and tell that they didn't. But fast break points, points in the paint, you know, they just they did just enough to be better than Tennessee in those areas. I agree, man. I mean. I, I really thought Tennessee was going to lose this game at one point, and then Connect Sanity just happened. I mean, yes. let's be realistic. Let's call it what it is right there. Diving into the box score for the game, Jonas Adu in 28 minutes, fouled out of the game. Horrible fouls were called on Jonas Adu. He was taken out of the game early and often, and you really couldn't get him going in this one. He still had 14 points, seven boards, one block. I mean – what can you say about the man? Six of ten from the field, two of two from the line for his total of fourteen. He had a good night, man. I mean, just he there was a, there was at least two foul calls that they had that they that were called on him that I was just like that was ridiculous. Yeah, they, it, some of them were just god awful. Where he goes straight up, yeah, hands are straight up, and they still call the foul. Some of them were the right call. I'm not going to argue with the ones that I all of them. Because it's basketball. I think one that you said was the right call is one that I'm going to disagree with you on just because he he was straight up. And, and it was the same play that the guy took five minutes afterwards to blow the whistle. He waited to see if it was going to drop, and then he blew the whistle. Like, well, don't do that. So here's my thing on that. If you're going to be an official, be consistent. And my biggest thing is I can't stand a waitlist. Wait whistle. For right. this reason and this reason only. You call the damn foul the second it happens. 
And if you're not going to blow the whistle and wait and see if the shot goes in or not, it's a non-call. That's what it turns out to be. There is nothing that can make it to where you say, hey, this happened right here three seconds ago. He's going to get the shot up. Let me wait and see if it goes in and bounces out. And if it bounces out, I'm going to keep my whistle out of my pocket. But if it goes in, my whistle stays in my pocket. It's bullshit. That's not how basketball is played. It's sort of like, you know, we have it, we we see it all the time uh, during Tennessee football games. It's like letting Tennessee get the snap off and then say, nope, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. We got to go back and look at this play two plays ago. Uh uh-uh. uh. It don't work no. like that. That's not you how know. sports are. And a horrible officiating drives me crazy. I mean, I just can't even tolerate it. And I'm going to follow it up with saying this too the SEC has the best athletes in the country, worst officiating crews in the country to go with it well so the officials for basketball are shared amongst all the power conferences so any of those guys can call a big 12 game big 10 game acc pac 12 so on and so on where football they share it football officials are the worst i think that college basketball does have an officiating problem and i don't know how you're going to fix that right yeah there's not there's not an easy way to do it and then to follow those two points up with with this, we've said it before, we'll continue to say it. Don't matter if you're going to be good, don't matter if you're going to be bad, just be consistent with how you call the game. Well, exactly. And, you know, man, it drives me crazy, but let's talk about a guy who's consistent, man. Let's go from the inconsistent to the consistent. Dalton Connect, in 33 minutes, 12 of 21 from the floor, 5 of 8 from 3, 10 of 12 from the line, two boards, three steals, one turnover, three fouls, 39 points. God bless, dude. You can count on that man like the sun coming up tomorrow. You really can. Like, man, the greatest player to ever wear a Tennessee jersey. It's not close. Retire the damn number, like I said earlier, and just move the hell on with it because I think there's going to be a lot of Tennessee fans who get into the NBA next year because of him. Yeah, I, I will tell you right now, I will 150% be one of them. Well, hell, I'm already in all on it, but I'll be watching even more now, and whatever team he goes to, they're going to they're gonna take up some space in my closet, man, with a right. Dalton Connect jersey, and I will proudly wear it anywhere I go, unless I'm in Memphis. I won't wear anything other than Grizzlies gear in Memphis. But yeah, get carjacked. Just yeah, kidding. you might. Just kidding. hey it might happen out there you never know but Dalton (laughs) Connect we love you thank you for coming to Tennessee thank you thank you thank you yes glad to have that kid speaking on more consistency Zakai Ziegler 38 minutes way too many minutes I mean way too many minutes three of nine from the floor though not a great night on that all three of his shots were threes though eight of 12 from the line thank you for hitting free throws Zakai Thank you for making it close like that. <laughs> Hashtag HYFT. Yeah, Zakai did his. I mean, still not ideal. Like you're you're shooting like what what is that? Sixty six percent because what for twelve? Let's see that. Okay, well, so, yeah, uh, yeah, you're you're about right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's still not really that good, but the number looks better, I guess, than what it is. But At least Zakai, he got the line. Yeah, he did, and that was something we didn't see in the previous game. So it's good to see that again. Uh, but Zakai had four boards in this game, nine assists, one steal, four turnovers, 17 points. Now, I do have one question for you on this, Jordan. Yes, sir. Zakai 
came off of that ACL injury on February 28, 2023. This game was played on February 28, 2024. Mm -hmm. Exactly one year to the day. Do you think that those four turnovers in this game reflected on what the date was and how that affected him? I think it may have had something to do with that because early he was not playing smart. He was just playing hard. Right. And I, I think that that may have something to do with it, man. Like I said, I don't know anything on this. I'm just speculating, but just my personal opinion. I would say you're in the ballpark with it. We we kind of discussed it during the game. He, Like you say, he was playing hard, but he wasn't playing smart. Mm-hmm. And I think he's wanted to come out and say, you know what? This, this happened exactly one year ago to the day. I want to go, come out and I want to show everybody that I'm back and I'm better than I was last year. No, and he sure as hell is. And he is. There's no questions asked. You know, he, he the one thing I would say to him as far as that goes, if that was his mentality, was, man, you ain't got a thing to prove to nobody. You've done it all year. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong on that. Uh, going from consistency to inconsistency. Santiago Vescovi, Santiago Vescovi, and Josiah Jordan James, both the guys tallied two points. There's nothing even worth talking about on the stat line for those two. Moving on to the bench guys that I am going to talk about today. Tobey Awaka, 23 minutes, three of three from the floor, three of five from the line, five boards, nine points. Man, I'm starting to I'm starting to love Tobey's game more and more and more every time he gets on the court. The, since these in these since this like last little five game stretch right here since the start of it, the boy has played. I don't even call him a boy. That man has played grown man basketball. Yeah, I was going to say he's a grown ass man. <laughs> and it seems like he's come so far in so short of a time uh, time span. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it just clicked for him. Well, you know, I've been so critical of him, as have you, but I feel like I've been extremely critical of the kid, probably to a fault at some point earlier on in the season. I'm done with it. I'm not giving him hell anymore. Rick, play him more with Jonas. I want to see the Twin Tower approach moving forward this season because that is Tennessee's best basketball is played with those two on the floor at the same time. It's not even close anymore. And... Also, something that doesn't show up in the box score right here. Tobey did one hell of a job on Janai Broom with Auburn. Oh, he sure did, dude. He, I mean, he bodied him up and was not letting him get anything easy. Yeah, like just great, great, great game from Tobey. And like I said, I'm not giving you hell anymore, Tobey. I am sorry for what I've said in the past. Please forgive you, me. Sir. Please forgive me, Tobey. That's all yes. I'm going to say right there. Uh, one other bench guy I am going to talk about today, Jordan Ganey, 21 points, one of six from the field, one of four from three, four of four from the line, three boards, seven points. Yeah, pedestrian compared yeah, to what like, he has been doing, but that's good. That's decent production point wise. It is, but I still want to see more from the kid like Tennessee. So with how Tennessee's played all year long, you have three guys that step up. And there is always two guys who fall off the face of the earth in this game. Mm-hmm. And this game in particular, you had three guys fall off the face of the earth. Ganey got you seven points, but compared to what he can do, not great. Yeah, yeah. What he what he can do and what he has been doing. I mean, you know, 10, 10 to 15 points there for a game for about three or four games. He was doing great. And now he's just kind of like, well, you know, I I did my thing, guys. Thanks. It was fun. 
been yeah. real. It's been fun. Not been real fun. I, hell, I hope he ain't saying that. We need him in March, <laughs> and we need right? him this month, man. And we are in March. I mean, think about it that way. So it's time for Jordan Ganey to get it rolling. I mean, you need the kid right there. Um, but yes. like I said, once again, great night for Tennessee, 51% from the floor, 53% from three, 71.1% from the line. There is one guy I want to speak on who plays for the Tigers in this one today, Jordan. Janai Broom, 33 minutes, 9 of 16 from the floor, 2 of 5 from three, 3, of 7 from the line, 9 boards, 5 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 23 points. Good God. Stat shuff, stat sheet stuffer, buddy. Just Dude. done it all. If there is one player in the SEC that I could pick to be on Tennessee's team this year, it's Janai Broom. Could you yeah. imagine him and Jonas playing together? Oh, dude, that would be just that would be that that's almost an embarrassment of riches, sir. Oh, it would be. And there's not be even a, almost. <laughs> right. And there wouldn't be a damn thing to be embarrassed about. Not a damn no, thing. No. Tennessee fans would be all about that, man. It'd be a hell of a lot of fun. Um, Auburn ended up shooting in this game almost 46% from the floor, 41% from three, 75% from the free throw line. Your leaders in this game. I want to say one thing real quick, though. How does Broom not have a single foul called on him the entire game? And there was 46, uh, 46 fouls called. You gonna yeah, tell me what, that, not one time, not one time. No, well, that doesn't make any sense to me, man. I mean, and honestly, looking at this graphic we've got right here on the screen, that's the only statistical category he didn't lead the Tigers in. I mean, right. the guy led led them in points, rebounds, and assists. Now for man. Tennessee, it's more balanced. It's the three you're used to seeing on this graphic: Dalton for points, Jonas for rebounds, Zakai for assists. Yeah. That, that's what that those are the three as a as a vol fan you're used to seeing up there. Yeah. It's you you're used to seeing those guys. It's fun seeing them up there. And man, Tennessee is blessed to have those guys. So, Jordan, I want to hear from Rick Barnes and see what he had to say after this game. How does that sound? That sounds good to me, brother. Let's do it. You stick a lot of special things with Dalton this year. Can you kind of just put the second half, that last 12 minutes, I guess, into perspective? Well, first of all, it was a high-level game. I thought both teams played extremely hard, and nothing easy came on either end. Uh, you know, both teams uh, really impressed with all the players that played. It, it honestly is a high-level, hard-fought game. But uh, at the end, obviously, Dalton, uh, we were struggling to score, and that had a lot to do with what they were doing. And, he was struggling at the free throw line, uh, but he got it going, and uh, we just said, hey, we're going to get it to him, and the other guys were ready to try to get him open, and he'll make the play, and then uh, we got a rebound ball. But still, with that said, guarding him on the other end, we had to get some, try to get some stops, and uh, Janai Broom was awesome. I thought he was terrific tonight in terms of what he did, but uh, uh, that's performance that Dalton did. I mean, what he did in the last about 12 minutes, I think. I mean, it's just one of the great performances that I've been able to see. We'll go Mike, Ben, Ryan. Yeah. Rick, when you're coaching that, that final 12 minutes offensively, what types of plays are you putting in? How are you coaching that? Or is it simply, here's what we're doing, but Dalton, do what you do? Well, you know, we have a set where we 
normally have you know two guys up three guys down below and it's something that you know that we can go to but i will tell you this uh we changed a little bit instead of having him having him a chance to come off uh either side we moved him over to one side and told both guys to go get him open and really gave him two-thirds of the court to try to get open and get the ball he did it and uh you know then it's up to him it's up to him to make the moves and the shots that he thinks he's got and and those other guys have to deliver because he, I mean, he's all in. They were working really hard to take him out. And he was trying to use that as a way to get Zakai open. And, you know, Zakai made a big three, too. And I thought Santi's layup there, when that tough shot he forced up there was a big play. But uh, when they're, and, and Dalton was trying to do that. He was trying to get Zakai going downhill. But I think Zakai was so locked in to trying to get him involved. And, uh, but uh, at the end, we were just, Spacing out and trying to give him room to operate. Rick, another game in which you win the rebounding battle. You strung together a couple of performances in that area. Are you starting to feel better about how your team's rebounding? Uh, again, they're 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 a hard team to play, uh, guard and run really good actions. And you know Bruce does a great job with them. And, and uh, you know they, I mean Janai Broom creates a lot of problems. And you know we didn't want to get too spread out. But, and he starts operating there. And then we try to double. And he's such a great passer there. And oftentimes when you're doing that, you get yourself out of rebound position. But tonight, for the most part, I thought we fought hard to get back in to try to go come up with some balls. We, I think we gave up one or two on the free throw lockout, which we can't do. But uh, we, we've harped on it enough all year and worked on it and keep talking about it. And we've got to continue to talk about it and see if we can stay consistent with it. Talk about how y'all's offense is at its best when multiple guys are involved. It's not just Dalton. But how comforting is it to have him as a security blanket when shots aren't going for other guys? Well, it is. I mean, there's nights when he hasn't had it and other guys have stepped up. And I like to think with our team, that whether it's our inside play, where you look at the numbers that Jonas and Tobey gave us, I mean, that's a good night for those guys. And uh, But, you know, when it bogs down, when, you know, you miss some free throws, first half we turned it over. Z turned it over four times in the first half, and it wasn't his fault. It was the spacing. I mean, we weren't getting to the corners. We weren't getting in uh, a position underneath the basket, and they shrunk, like we shrunk the floor on them, and they, they're good with their hands, and so our spacing was, was not very good. But, uh, uh, you know, that's what you hope. You have a guy like that, and I've had a couple, not many, but, I've, you know, there's not many of those guys uh, that can do it at the way he did it tonight, he, and we've seen him do it. I mean, you guys have seen him do it other games, but – we honestly have some other guys on the team that if they get going like that, we think they can do it, but uh, maybe not to that level because, you know, he can score at all three levels. I, I, I do think that. And, uh, I mean, they were running at the end. They ran, ran three guys at him. And uh, I might have done the same thing because, I mean, he, you could tell when a guy gets heated up like that. And Bruce has been around a long time. We've all seen guys that can get that going maybe – at a level like that, I mean, I'll be honest with you, J.J. Uh, Reddick did it. He, he, he torched us for 43 one night. And I'm telling you, you sit there and you feel helpless because of the shots he makes and uh, just trying to guard him the best you can. But to get it going, it's, it's hard to guard. And that is what Rick Barnes had to say at the Food City Center on Wednesday night in the Volunteers' victory over the Auburn Tigers. So, Jordan, what takeaways do you have from what the head man of the Volunteers had to say? One thing that I really stuck out to me, of course, I think it stuck out to everybody, was 
He pretty much said it, man. Nothing came easy. That game was a straight-up boxing, ma- boxing match. Knox County Street Fight. Frog Alley Ball, if you will. If you're from Sevier County, you get the reference. Yeah. You know, um, he talked about, you know, basically how Dal- they just was like, Dalton, do what you do, man. He had to – and they were right. They started running those high screens on each side of the court to get the man open. Dude, as soon as he got on the court, he was in range, man. Kid took the game over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I like on that, too, I mean, he kind of compared him to J.J. Redick in that right there, you know, saying he torched us for 43 at Texas that one time. And then also, man, I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to the post-game Rick Barnes show with Bob Kessling and Burt Bertelkamp. Well, they were talking, and they said, Rick, kind of just tell us what Dalton did right here. He said, "I'm I'm not one to compare players, he said, but there's only been one other guy I've ever coached who's done those type of things, and his name was Kevin Durant. He's uh, d- connects the connectula or whatever you want to call him, you know, like the what, what we need to come up with a catchy nickname for the kid for the man. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to call him White KD, but I don't think we can. So we need to come up with something a little bit better right there. Right. He's got the White Mamba as his name on the team. We're gonna have to think of something, man. I wish he was number four, and then we could just say connect four and move the hell on, right? Um, one thing though about Dalton, you and I were texting this last uh. Yesterday, whatever during, today during the day during the day and whatnot, um, he is let's say realistically, Tennessee Tennessee makes a Final Four run, makes it in the national championship. He's only what was it we decided like two forty six out of uh, being the all time single season scoring leader for the Vols. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that right there. He would need to average. If Tennessee makes it to the championship game, it's like 21 points per game, if that even. Yeah, it's 21 per game, technically 20 and a half, but he can't score half a point. Then playing the fewest amount of games that that, that they could play, which they're guaranteed two, at least two more after the regular season, so that's five. He'd have to score 15 and a half a game, which God bless, dude. He I can. know this sounds wild. <laughs> he could do it. Like if he's he, just if that he good. To score fifty, he could. That's he what's could. so crazy about this kid, and what makes him so special. But man, I also want to hear from the former headman of the Volunteers, now the headman on the Plains, Bruce Pearl. How do you feel about that? Let's hear what Brucey Pooh's got to say. You mentioned connectability of the one-on-one. When a guy like that is as hot as he is, is the best course of action to let him go one-on-one and just try to make it tough or send a double like you did a few times? I mean, we sent a double a couple times. We got a turnover. Um, we sent a double, you know, and one time he passed out of it and they got a dunk, you know. Um, I think I think that uh, uh, felt like we had guys that could, you know, could guard him. And uh, when Tennessee wins, they typically win when everybody contributes, right? And uh, you know, tonight he sort of just found that. What I've always done and what I've always believed in is um, I've voted for the best player on the best team. So if 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 uh, if Dalton connect wins the league, Tennessee wins the league, he'll get my vote for sure. If Alabama won the league, I'm going to vote for Mark Sears. Um, I typically just have always voted for the best player on the best team. 
And that is what Bruce Pearl had to say after the game. So one takeaway I take from this man, and I think it's complete and total bullshit. You vote for the best player, not the best player on the best team. You vote for the true best player. Now, I still like Tennessee's chances to outright win the SEC. I think it'll probably happen. But there is no reason that Marcus Sears at Alabama should win SEC Player of the Year over Dalton Connect. And just think about this. Should should that scenario play out where Alabama wins the conference? It comes down to one vote. Right there's your one vote. Yeah, and it's it'd be ridiculous. I mean, I think there's enough coaches in the conference who have enough sense not to vote Mark Sears in just because he's the best player on the best team. But it makes you also wonder, how many coaches also think that way, man? I would say that... I would say there's quite a few of them that would think that would think that way, to be honest with you, because it's just how much how much thought do they really put into voting for those awards? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, if Dalton Connect tortures you for 39, vote him SEC player of the year. That's all I'm gonna say right there. But Jordan, one thing on this man, I think it's time for player of the game. And is there even any question who is player of the game today? Because I don't think so. There's not, and coincidentally, he ties into a point I wanted to make about Bruce. All I heard yeah. during that press conference was, Dalton Connect is my daddy. <laughs> he sure did right there. Dalton, you won player of the game today. Love you, Dalton. Love you, love you, love you, love you. Now, for the one that's always the most fun in the game, Jordan, is it milk carton time? It's milk carton time. Let's hit it. Surely not. Beside Jordan James, you have been chosen for the Valen Out Milk Carton. Man, we're just going to nickname him and Santi the Milk Carton Kids. Yeah. Hell, I mean, man, they hide when you need them. So yeah. I'm hoping that's not the case. And here's going to be the last thing I'm going to say about Dalton, because this has turned into a Dalton Connect love fest, and that's not what we want to do, but it's hard not to right now. If he goes cold in March, Tennessee's cooked. Unless yeah. Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James play out of their damn mind. And I'm not really sure if that is a possibility at this point. Makes you wonder. We're gonna we're just gonna have to uh poke and hope, so to speak. Yeah. Well, man, let's run to break. Let's get a word from Three Kings of Cardboard, jump right back in on this, break down some SEC, talk a little bit of baseballs too. So yeah, let's do it, man, and we'll be right back after this. This Sounds next segment is brought to you by Three Kings of Cardboard, the go-to spot to upgrade your sports memorabilia collection. Check out their Facebook group and eBay at Three Kings of Cardboard. I have dealt with them personally and will not deal with anybody else. My favorite item from them is my Jalen Wright one-of-one Bowman U Superfactor that they have pulled me. Check out our friends at Three Kings of Cardboard today. Welcome back into the program. So, Jordan. This has been one of the best weeks of SEC hoops I can remember in a long, long time. Buddy, it's, it was a fun one. There were some great games on this week, especially games that mattered, not just fun basketball to watch. Well, a lot of games that can impact Tennessee's race uh, to the SEC crown for the regular season. So without further ado, man, let's jump right into the SEC. Let's figure out what the hell happened this week. So. SEC scores of interest in what I called the game of the year with you, Jordan, while we were texting the other night. Kentucky takes a trip down to Stark Vegas, wins by two. Reed Shepard hits the game winner. Reed Shepard leads Kentucky in every single statistical category. 
32 points, shot 11 of 14 from the floor, five boards, seven assists with only two turnovers. Dude, that kid was surgical. Surgical. He's so good, dude. Like, it makes no sense how a freshman can be as good as he is. Uh, right. And, I, and you know, too, too man, I, I've been, I'm still – I'm I'm going to say it right now. Kentucky gets that fourth seed. I'm saying it right now. I know we're going to talk about that next, but I'm saying it right now. It, it's a possibility, man. It really is. But I think this next team we're about to talk about right here is going to have something to say about this. The Florida Gators hosted the Missouri Tigers – Walked away with a dub on that one, 83-74. to 74. Man, that's a little bit close right there, but Mizzou has been in every single game they've been in this entire year. Yeah, with the exception of a handful. I mean, they they really have been. Um, and that game, too, man, they got a little help, too, because uh, I want to say Clayton, man, he fouled out with like 13 minutes to go in the game. That sounds about right. I didn't get a chance to get my eyes on that one. I've got my eyes on all the other three, just not that one right there. Yeah, they were talking about it on Sports Center, man. Like, dude, kid fouled out with 13 minutes to go in the game, and Florida basically just was clinging on to dear life. Yeah, I mean, man, I think Missouri's going to eventually get one, but they are still 0-15 in conference. I mean, just... Oh. <laughs> they better get one soon because it's about to be donezo. Hey, man, at least they got legal weed in Missouri because I think they're going to need it to be able to watch the rest of this basketball up there because this team is god-awful. They are, man. They <laughs> God love them. They play hard, but they they suck. Yeah, I'm just gonna they're, say it. they're horrible, man. I mean, they gave Tennessee everything Tennessee could have ever wanted when Tennessee took that trip up to Como. But good Lord, man, rough one right there. Now, a team that I think is still probably Tennessee's only loss left on the schedule for the regular season. The South Carolina Gamecocks traveled to College Station and walked away with a struggle win. Struggle. 70 man. to 68. Man, I'm telling you right now, dude, I think the wheels are st- – I'm not going to say the wheels are coming off because they're not. I sh- I'm going to back that up, though. But I'm going to say they're, I think I think Carolina may have peaked at the wrong time. Well, hey, if so, Tuesday night's going to be a great one for the people who reside in the greatest state in America, also known as Tennessee. That's um, right. But in this game, man, I mean, Beachy Johnson for the Gamecocks, 22 points. Colin Murray Boyles. 12 rebounds, Talon Cooper, nine assists. That's the big three they've got right there, kind of like Tennessee has their big three. Um, Where A&M, I mean, Terrence Radford, man, great game for him, 19 points. Aaron Garcia, 12 boards. Dennis Rodman of college basketball. I mean, let's call him what he is right there. You can rebound better than anybody I have ever seen at the college level. And then Wade Taylor, four assists. All he needs is a wild hairdo and to marry himself, and he's good to go. Now wear a dress and go on, go on Good Morning America or whatever it was Rodman did, man. <laughs> and save dude. North Korea while while he's at it. How is that the <laughs> guy who did it? I mean, I I know that that's not what we talk about here, but good lord, man, how is that the guy that's able to go to North Korea? That's an American is beyond me. Uh, just because he's just as crazy as that guy is. <laughs> don't nuke us. Don't nuke us. Please don't. Just, I'm yeah, just saying. We, they, they may be coming for our houses after Kim Jong-un gets a hold of this. We come, Who knows? we come in peace. There we go. Peace. peace. Um, so, last game of the night, man. Uh, what we're going to talk about right here. Alabama travels to Oxford. And this one was a little bit of a struggle for Alabama early on. Down 13 early. Rallied for the 15-point dub. 103-288. Good Lord, man. Dude, they are an offensive juggernaut. I, 
even when they're down 13 or 14, well, especially when they're only down 13 or 14, it's just like, man, they can shoot their way back into it. I think anything less than a 25-point lead, they're 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 right there. It's still a ball game because they can shoot their way back into any basketball game, man. I've never seen a team that can get as hot as Alabama does. Like, I don't think that any lead Tennessee can have on Saturday is safe. But we'll talk about all that with our good buddy Christian Skies from the Crimson Crossover uh, here shortly, which is part of the field of 68. That's Mr. Sykes, sir. Sykes, Sykes. Sykes. Think think about, like, bring me the horizon. Ollie Sykes. How am I missing that, man? Sykes. Um, So moving on to the SEC standings, I think that you kind of figured out who your top six teams are if it's not already been decided. All six of them have a number next to their name. Tennessee and Alabama share first place right now where Tennessee is currently controlling first place with the better overall record on the season and the head-to-head matchup. South Carolina controls second place right now all by themselves, 11-14, one game behind first place right there. 23 and 5 on the season. The Florida Gators and Kentucky Wildcats and Auburn Tigers are all fighting for the fourth and final double bye in Nashville here next week. It's tightening up, man. It's crazy. All three of those teams are 10 and 5. All those teams are two games back in the SEC race. If one team has the edge over anybody right now, it's Auburn just because of the regular season record. But man, it's going to be a lot of fun this last week of SEC hoops to see what yes. happens. I mean, that's a damn bottleneck right there, buddy. Yeah, it's it's as close as I can ever remember it being. And what I see about this two men is any of these six teams deserve a double buy. They yeah, I mean, they've all played, they've all got it together. The, like I say, though, I keep riding that Kentucky team, man, just because I feel like they're starting to kind of get it together. I really do. Just they're dangerous. They're dangerous. But, you know, I've said the same about Florida, too. Will not surprise me, again, if either of those two end up, or both of them, South Carolina, say South Carolina loses out. Then you got Florida and Kentucky right there. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you got Auburn right there, too. I mean, it, it's just crazy how close it is right now. I still think Tennessee wins the conference. That's not Grant going GBO, you know, homer pick right here. Tennessee's the best team in the SEC. Tennessee proved it on Wednesday night at the Food City Center. Tennessee's proven it all year long. So there's that right there. Alabama's a good team, man. South Carolina's a good team. Florida's a really good team right now. They're getting hot at the right time. Kentucky's starting to figure it out. Now, I still think they're not a good team, but that is what it is. Auburn's a hell of a team. So there's no telling what's going to happen, man. It's going to be a lot of fun inside the 615 at Bridgestone Arena for the tournament coming up here soon. Absolutely. So that has been our look around the SEC brought to you by our friends at Three Kings of Cardboard. So, Jordan, man, there's been a little bit of stickball played since the last time we hit record on something. How about you talk about one of the games and I'll talk about the other one, man. How about you run off first? All right, buddy. I'll I'll take lead off. Uh. So let's see here today. Uh, two days ago, Wednesday, Vols beat High Point seven to four. Chris Stamos got the win. Go to moves to two and zero on the season. Nate Steeg uh, got his first save of the year. Uh, man, they do, they won seven to four. Nine hits, no errors. Amic, dude, that kid he can he can play he can blister a baseball, buddy. Straight oh, yeah. up. 
straight up. Kavari, he went two for four, had two hits, an RBI, and a homer. Cavaris uh, tears, tears, making everybody else cry tears. Three for three, one RBI, one homer, one base on ball, uh, one up, du- one double. Uh, Villain to wave, one for four, two hits. Uh, that doesn't sound right, but he was on base twice. <laughs> so hell yeah, we'll take it. Uh, one double and uh, three RBIs. So hey, you know, Peebles two for three, two RBI, one double, one base on balls. Uh, balls extended their win streak to seven, and uh, they actually uh kicked off the first game of the uh Bowling Green series here, sir. Yeah, they did that one. Uh, today is Friday, March 1st, 2024. So Tennessee did have a win over the Bowling Green Eagles. Uh, final score on that one was 11 to 1. Game ended after eight innings. Referee said, hey, Ron Rule, not enough time on this, man. One thing I want to talk about, though, man, Tennessee had a lot of guys homer in this game. Billy Amick got one. Curly got one. Blake Burke, we got a Burke bomb. Not just one, but two for both him and Billy Amick. Dude, I'll tell you what, man. They When they, when they, those bats get hot, they get hot, and they stay oh, hot. It's crazy, dude. So much fun being a Tennessee fan across the board in every single sport right now, man. Like, it, who would have really ever is. thought that I would give a single shit about baseball? Right? That's, <laughs> like, how, I mean, that's how I am, you know? Like, I didn't, whatever, take it or leave it. Yeah, but, and now that's I, now I'm, like, ready to watch it. And I'm going to get over to a game this weekend while I am in Knoxville, man. I'm excited to go see what the new Lindsey Nelson Stadium looks like. And Tennessee does hit the diamond once again. On Saturday, um, they hit the diamond at 5 p.m. at Lindsey Nelson and on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, Games this week, Kansas State comes into Lindsey Nelson on Tuesday the 5th, and you've got Southern Indiana on Wednesday the 6th, and then you start off a massive, massive, massive series against Illinois next weekend. Ooh, buddy. And that's also at Lindsey Nelson as well. So, guys, get out there. Be loud for the boys. They need you on the diamond. It's going to be another special team, man. I mean, Tennessee is really, really, really clicking right now over there. 9-1 and on the season, 1-8 straight, 7-0 and at home, 2-1 and on a neutral side. Man. Conference play can't get here soon enough. No, it really can't, man. It really can't. Well, Jordan, before we team up with our buddy Christian, I want to ask you a question right here, and this is just something I'm starting to think about. But sure, if I'm thinking about it, maybe other people are or not. Tennessee, when it comes to athletics, is second to none to anybody in the country across the board. What school is Tennessee? Is Tennessee a football school, basketball school, or a baseball school? Okay. Take baseball out of the equation. I'm sorry. Take them out of the equation. Sudden to the side. We'll revisit that Here in a couple of years. years from now. So, yeah. Well, and if Tony V goes on the run that I think he might, I think that we're all tight saying Tennessee is a baseball school here soon. Right. Let's revisit that, though. I'm going to say, and maybe it's just because it's my my sport of preference, but I'm old enough to remember, you know, when Tennessee was, went, was an elite football program, went from being elite to good, then to bad. Tennessee's mm-hmm. football school. I'm sorry, they are, and I think I a lot of it depends. You. I'm uh, hold up though. Okay, a lot of it depends on what generation you're from. 
mm-hmm. how old you are. You're the basketball guy. You're a little, you got, well, four, four years, let's like four and a half years now, younger than me. Um, you know, with that, by we'll call it a bi month. You know what I'm saying? Okay, we'll give it a bi month. <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, like, just you're younger than me. You, you've you've experienced a lot more success in basketball than you have football. Of course. So, you know, you've got the 22 Alabama game. How did that make you feel? Well, I mean, man, I, I've said this multiple times. There's a greatest moment of being a sports fan in my entire life. Second greatest, actually. I'm going to say winning the SEC tournament title in 22 was probably the best in being a Tennessee fan just because if it's not for that, if it's not for Pat Summit, I've never seen Tennessee win a championship in my life. I was four years old in 98, so I don't remember the championship season. There's nothing for me to remember. I'm too busy worried about what Teletubbies episode is going to be on TV and if I'm going to get a McDonald's Happy Meal or not for dinner, like at that point in my life. But my argument for Tennessee to be a basketball school, since Bruce Pearl arrived on campus in 2005, what sport has carried the athletic department? Not financially, but win-wise, it's been basketball. You've been to the Sweet 16 multiple, multiple, multiple times. You've been to the Elite Eight. You've won a conference tournament title. You've had a number one ranking in that sport. Now, you have in football as well in that time frame, but the one in football only lasted for one week, where the basketball one was like, what, five weeks total during that time frame right there? Four consecutive weeks, actually. Yeah, well, four consecutive weeks and then five weeks total with the one week that Bruce had. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying right there. I just think that Tennessee is a basketball school. And the reason why I'm saying this is you're winning on the hardwood. You're starting to win on the gridiron again. But other than the 22 season, what have you had that has given you any hope that Tennessee's got the football ship right? Because there's not been anything else for me other than that. The hiring of Joshua Heupel, sir. Well, yeah, that um, I mean, that kind of goes in on that but right now, there. Here's my thing, and this is what I'm gonna. This go. This will be my closing argument for this. Okay. Basketball has went on this run starting about 05, like you said. Mm-hmm. You go back to it. That was the start of the downfall, downward spiral for football. Yeah. 05 preseason number two ranking would come out first game of the year, beat UAB 17 to nine in Neyland. And just the rest of the year was very underwhelming. The best year that the best game of that year was going down to uh, Baton Rouge and beating LSU in overtime. In the Hurricane Katrina game, too. And it albeit on that. Right. So what what I'm getting at is basketball's on a tremendous run, has been for going on almost 20 years now. Yeah. This has happened though during one of Tennessee's worst stretches in Tennessee football history. Well, so here's my counter argument for that right there. The 90s and the 80s for Tennessee basketball was horrible. I mean, you had Allen Houston scoring, you know, 30 a game. But other than that, what the hell did you have at that point on the hardwood? You had nothing. Right. Where football, they were able to capitalize on that. Well, basketball was able to capitalize on this during this time frame in the 2000s. I agree with what you said. It goes into the age range that you're in. So people my age, I'm 30. We're going to gravitate more towards basketball. Sure. Where people older in the, let's say, 
mid 30s to 40s. If you can remember 98, you're probably going to side on that. If you can't sure. remember 98, I think you're going to side on the basketball things. I just think that the core memories of a Tennessee fan for the past 20 years have came from basketball. And that's why I'm saying Tennessee is a basketball school. Now, like I said earlier, Tony V is going to have a very, very, very strong argument for his program here within about the next five years. I mean, we could be talking about a multiple-time national championship winning head coach at that point, and I think we are. Knoxville could very well become the new title town. Well, I think that Knoxville is already college sports town USA. I don't think it's any debate on that. You've got, I mean, hell, basketball is rolling on the way to what could possibly be the first ever Final Four berth in program history. Football should make the 12-team playoff. Should. Baseball should be back in Omaha. I'm saying it now. They will. Uh, I don't know. I don't Tweet know. Me. I need to see them play. Don't, don't at me, bro. Play. Don't at I'm me, at bro. I'm at me right here. I need to see <laughs> what happens on that one first. Baseball should be in Omaha. The Lady Vols still have never missed the NCAA tournament when it comes Ooh, to basketball. They're this shaking year, on thin ass right now, though, buddy. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the first year they ever do. But I think they're going to get that blue blood type of love from the people who are in charge on that but man all i'm going to do our listeners and viewers hit the comments hit the twitter dms however you want to get it to us let us know what you think we want to know yeah make your case for us any good ones i'll read them out here on the pod next time we do we record yeah i I would love to hear them love to hear so please send it over to us sorry guys got the hiccups right there so with the hiccups coming up right there jordan I think it's time that we run to break, jump in with our buddy Christian, talk a little bit about the Vols about to roll the tide on Saturday. I'm about to talk so much trash. I know you are, man. (laughs) Stay tuned, guys. We will be right back. All right, guys. If you all are anything like me and you have a hard time waking up in the morning until you get that caffeine in you, come give our friends a W a try. Each energy blend that they have created comes with no calories, no sugar, no fillers, and no artificial colors. So you go online, you go buy it, it comes to your house. It comes in a little container with powder in it. Scoop it out, drop it in your shaker, add water, shake it up, and you're good to go. It's that simple. Tastes amazing, no carbonation, no added sugars in it, so you don't get that sugar crash at the end of your energy buzz. Let me tell you guys, this stuff is amazing. My favorite flavor is beach and peach, which is a white mango peach, and oh boy, Stuff is great. Let me just tell you. Go to w.gg on your web browser and type in promo code VOLINOUT for 10% off. V-A-W-L-I-N-O-U-T for 10% off. If you're looking for the perfect Smoky Mountain vacation, Mountain Romance is your cozy romantic getaway. Starting at $129 per night, you get two bedrooms, two full baths, and this beautiful cabin will sleep up to six people. With an amazing mountain view, fire pit, pool table, and hot tub, this place has it all and is located within minutes of downtown Gatlinburg. To inquire, go to Airbnb and search for Mountain Romance or email bearslayer2021 at gmail.com. All right, guys, welcome back into the program. We are joined by Christian Sykes from the Crimson Crossover Podcast to help us break down this Alabama game on Saturday. Christian, how are you doing, man? Good, how are you guys? Oh, buddy. We're, we're, if we were any better, we'd need twins. <laughs> yeah, it's hard It's hard not to be bad after what the Volunteers did last night against uh, your biggest rival, Auburn. 
Yeah, that uh well, not only the fact that they're our biggest rival, but there's a there was a real scenario there if Auburn won that they win the league. So we really, really appreciate you uh helping out with that. Yeah, well, man, we've got a massive game on Saturday now down in Tuscaloosa. So we thank you for jumping on and helping us preview this. But what can we kind of expect from Alabama in this second game coming up against the Tide this season? Uh, that's a good question. It, it really just depends on the type of um, defensive int- intensity that Alabama comes out with. Um, I think, obviously, you're gonna ex- you should expect scoring. Uh, lots of it. Alabama's now second in Kimpom history as far as offensive efficiency is concerned, only behind uh, the 2015 Wisconsin team that finished at 129 um, points or offensive efficiency points. So um, obviously offense is going to be the nature of the game, but um, I think the, the the real question then I think probably something that we're going to discuss is Alabama's defense. Um, it depends on what, what, what shows up with that. So. Yeah, no, you're right on that. I mean, if Dalton Connect's able to have 39 again or, you know, another 30-plus game, I, th- I feel really comfortable about Tennessee's chances. But if not, you know, it's going to be rough because it seems like nobody else can throw the rock in the ocean when you need it to other than Dalton. Yeah, and I was looking at his numbers today. He averages 26 points per game on the road, um, shoots around 50% from, uh, from the floor and about 45% from deep on the road. So, I don't think the I don't think the concern should be whether or not um, Connect is able to score. I think he's going to get his. I don't think we have the type of player that's going to be nece- that's going to require the you know the type of defense uh, on him to prevent him from scoring. I think the big key in this game is going to be um, whether or not Adu can get going down low. Man, Adu, our offense whenever Tennessee's offense whenever it's doing when it's at its best is when we're getting production out of Adu. So if you got to stop him, you got a good chance. I think you got a good chance at getting us Saturday. Yeah, and I think he had fifteen and I think like seven or eight um, when we played the first time. So um, I think I think that's going to be your big key um, for Alabama is preventing him. I think it's one of those things where um, a few years ago we played Ja Morant and he had like forty something points against us, right? But the rest of his team didn't do anything. I think that's kind of how you have to approach Tennessee where Don Connect's going to get his um, unless you get into foul trouble. And other than that, you have to be able to ensure that the other guys around him aren't successful. So I think that's the big key for Alabama. Well, you're right on that. And last time the Volunteers did play the Tide back, uh, I guess it was right right around the third week of January. January 20th is what this says right here. Dalton had 25, Jonas had 19, and Ganey had 15. But nobody else got into – well, actually, no, I take that back. Santiago Vescovi also got into double figures. But other than that, you got a whole lot of nothing from everybody else. So it really shows, I mean, what is Alabama's defensive intensity going to be in this game? Are they going to be more like a Tennessee team that gets in the passing lanes, or are they going to kind of roll out with the same defensive intensity that we saw in Knoxville on January 20th? And if that's the case, I like Tennessee's chances a whole lot in this one. Yeah, and I and- – the the issue that's, that Alabama has had, especially in recent weeks, is um, at times they've been a little too aggressive on the defensive end, um, you know, falling for pump fakes. Like you said, getting into passing lanes, which is putting them out of position, um, allowing open shots. Um, Florida was very successful with that. Um, 
Kentucky was obviously they scored 117 points. They did it well, and then um, at times in the Ole Miss game last night, that that's what was happening at the beginning of the game when we got down 14. I think the big key for Alabama is, I think everyone knows that what this Alabama team is, and it's just not not very good defensively, but it doesn't have to be very good defensively. Alabama only needs two or three possessions in a row to get a stop. And their offense is good enough to, you'll have nine, nine point, you know, lead at that point. And uh, being able to continually apply pressure to Tennessee, whose offense is much improved from last year, but still isn't on the same level as Alabama's offense. I think that's, that's Tennessee's big key is whether or not, because I think Alabama is going to want to run in this game. And if Tennessee can at least either prevent that, which they, they did in the first matchup or um, be able to hit shots, then I I don't see how you don't like Tennessee's chances, especially if we don't have the trail right. So. Right. Yeah, man. That Like I watched some of that game last night and when you guys were down 14, I was like, this is not going to last. You guys can shoot your way back into any game. It doesn't matter how big the deficit is. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that in that exact point, we were down 14. Um, we called a timeout with five Oh seven and, um, uh, 14 Southeastern who does like a podcast on all things Alabama or all things SEC, which includes Alabama. Um, they put out a stat last night that I didn't even know. Um, with 5.07 left to go in that game, NATO calls a timeout. So there's 25, little less than 25 minutes left in the rest of the game. Um, and Alabama scored 80 points in 25 minutes. Wow. That's crazy. Oh yeah. I mean, you guys can legitimately put up points in droves. Yep. Yeah, but I on the flip side, Tennessee can lock down any team in the country. Like truly. I you guys did an amazing job, you guys. Tennessee did an amazing job when we went to Knoxville to prevent our offense. Um I think you I think they held us to the lowest or one of the lowest point totals that we've had in the SEC this season. Um and with 71 points. So I, I, if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to like your chances one, because generally defense travels, right. And two, you arguably have the best player in the country. And if you have the best player in the country, then you got to like your chances, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and one other thing too, whenever we're kind of talking about the defense Tennessee has, Tennessee held you guys to 71 points, which was the lowest in SEC, but then also 19% from three, which was the second lowest total of the year for Alabama up to that point. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, I will say Alabama shoots about 45% from three uh, in Coleman Coliseum. I do expect that crowd to be um, absolutely electric. It's a wideout. Uh, we have college game day coming to Tuscaloosa for the first time for basketball in the history of Alabama basketball. So I do expect the crowd to play a factor. Alabama's only lost one game since 2022 in Coleman Coliseum. Um, so it's one of those things where it's definitely a factor. It's whether or not Tennessee can put enough pressure on Alabama to make the crowd nervous. If you can go into an opponent's arena, make a crowd nervous, then you have an opportunity to, to really come away with the win. Um, and at times Tennessee has struggled on the road. You mainly you look at, um, like the A&M game, 
Um, and I think, uh, is it, was it Mississippi state that you guys also lost to, um, yeah, um, Mississippi state, those two are, um, the, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, Mississippi state and A&M, they, while they're better defenses, they're not as good as off offenses. So if Alabama can find some type of semblance of off or defense on, then, it, it might be worrisome, but again, I think defense travels, and uh, I, like you said, I, I kind of like your guys' chances coming in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, so let's talk about Mark Sears for just a second as well. Um, whenever you guys came to Knoxville, he was the only player in double figures. He shot seven of 13 from the field in 33 minutes and got 22 points. What's the likelihood of him kind of being able to make a run at that SEC player of the year? We all know it's him and Dalton and everybody else is just watching at this point. But is does he have a chance, in your opinion, to be able to catch up to Dalton Connect? Um, bias? In my biased opinion, yes. But if I'm looking at it objectively, no. Uh, I, think, I think Dalton's performance last night um, versus Auburn pretty – you know, solidified the the race, scoring 39 against the top 11 opponent. Uh, that's some pretty pretty big stuff there. But, um, and I think it's well deserved. I mean, I, the, the the kid's incredible. He he's it's one of those things where, and I've talked about it with some people before. There's times in games where, and I'm not trying to make excuses for refs but like refs will call a game a certain way maybe one-sided or whatever and there there are certain players that have an ability to play through that and at times in the Tennessee game or in the game last night some calls were going you know little towards Auburn's way and all of a sudden you just see Dalton Connect just erupt for 25 points and outscore Auburn by himself um those types of players are guys that, like, I think Mark Sears is just a super efficient and is really good scorer, and he's going to get his points when, like, he's going to get 20 points almost every night. But I think Dalton Connect has a different level, if that makes sense, of scoring to Mark Sears. Um, and in my opinion, if I was picking the player of the year, I'd probably pick Connect. I don't I don't think Mark really has an, a chance unless, you know, Connect just – Craps the bed the, the last three games of the season. That's, sure that's one that thing about Dalton, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's one thing about Dalton, though, man. Whenever he when he wants to flip that switch, he flips it, and it's and he's so like all it takes is him to see one go through the hoop, and he's red hot. That's just that's that's mentality to me. Yeah, he's like Brandon Miller last year. It really, yeah. It, yeah. It, um, he just kind of wills your team to to win. Um. And the, I think I think th that's why I'm like Alabama doesn't have an, an answer for him, right? Like I, I'm not expecting Dalton Connect to be held to ten points on Saturday. That's just that's just an unrealistic expectation, in my opinion. Well, that's no not even his game. I mean, I don't think he's been under double figures all year long. And I mean, what was it they said last night? Like he's had like. 10 20 point games in the past 14 and so it's like okay this kid's really just balling and he's he's doing the best he possibly can right now yeah absolutely and and it's crazy because mark sears last night broke the record for uh alabama for most 20 point games in a season with 17 and wow, wow. you or maybe it was 18 but uh either way like 
that's the type of efficiency that he's doing. But I still think Dalton connects clear in a way. I think the player of the year, again, unless something dramatically happens down the stretch or something like that. So no doubt, man, he's, I mean, he's played well enough to earn it. The Sears is the, is the only one that is even in the same ballpark when it comes to that, when that, when it comes to that award. So I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that game Saturday, though. That's going to be a barn burner, man. It seems like uh, that's what happens here in the last two or three years. Every, it doesn't matter the sport when we get together, you know. <laughs> Don't remind me of last year's football or two years ago in football. Jesus Christ! We're here. We're here to remind you of fifty-two forty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, and I've said this. I've been a Tennessee fan my entire life. That was the best game I have ever been at for anything in my entire life, and I'm not sure if anything will ever be able to pass that up. Yeah, and this isn't me just being an Alabama fan, but like I truly can't comprehend like the like level of excitement that you guys must have had to, and that's not like a slide or anything. Like, no, truly, it was <laughs> like, like I truly like can't comprehend that, and and like it's just exciting to see like. And that's why, like, for me, basketball is so big for Alabama because in the sense of, like, we've been mediocre for the last, like, 20 years, right? Um, always on the bubble. We would always, like, have a really good January, um, be up and be in the bracket and then fall apart in February. That's how Alabama basketball had been since, I, I don't even know, like, the early 2000s. And to see like the type of heights that this program and NATO's have gotten us to like, if you would have told me five years ago, we would go to four straight NCAA tournaments with three of them potentially being top three seeds. Like that's just, I would have said you're, you're full of it. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like there's no possible way that Alabama could do that, but you know, here we are. And regardless of the results for the sec, um, this season for Alabama has probably been the most successful just because of the type of talent that we lost, the coaches that we lost, um, and just to be able to continue to compete regardless of kind of where we're sitting as far as talent. Um, Cause I don't think there's a lot of NBA guys, at least for next year on this roster um, for Alabama. So it's just been a complete type of team turnaround. Yeah, for well, sure, it's been for fun sure. to watch you guys, man. I mean, you guys average almost 92 and right at 92 a game. It's fun to watch. I like watching that kind of ball. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this. How does it feel to have some type of offense this season relative for the past couple of years? It, it's, it's, it's nice. It's a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it is a breath of fresh air. You know, Rick Barnes really changed around how he's been coaching the game for the past – 30 years and this year he's kind of just been a different Rick Barnes and we love it. It's the most fun we've had in a long, long time being Tennessee fans. That's for sure. But uh, I mean, how does it feel having Nate Oates, man? I mean, your offense is always electric down there in Tuscaloosa. If only we could put a defense together, man. Like, like if we could have like a top 50 Kim Palm defense, like we would be national championship contenders, which we're still, we still technically are. I don't I I'm not saying that we're going to be like I mean obviously we're like in the like graph of like favored people or whatever but man I I just wish cuz like last year defense our defense was elite um at one point it was the top defense in the country I think it finished third um and the offense wasn't bad I mean it was good it was kind of like how Tennessee is they I think we ranked 20th in offense and third in defense and I think Tennessee's 17th in offense and third in defense right now 
Um, but I just wish that like this elite type of offense wasn't, you know, coupled with a okay defense at best, you know? Um, oh, yeah. I see what you're saying right there. Well, Christian, let's get a score prediction for Saturday. Man, uh, do you want my unbiased score or my biased score? Both. You but sure I got a five. He's going to be like, Bama by 50. No, no, I would never. <laughs> um, so I always say my, my gut says Tennessee's going to win this game. I just, I don't, I think it's a terrible matchup for Alabama. I think that um, Tennessee kind of has the offensive. Um, ability to at least keep up with Alabama, but they have the defensive ability to really frustrate the guards, which make Alabama go. Um, so my unbiased opinion is probably going to be Tennessee 82, Alabama 78. Uh, my biased opinion says Alabama is going to win, and that's my heart saying Alabama is going to win. And if we win, the score is going to be, I don't know, Alabama 89, Tennessee 86. Let's say that's fair, man. It's, I mean, it's going to be a barn burner either way, buddy. The over will be safe, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. yeah. They haven't released it yet. I was just looking for it. One of my buddies said that if you took $100 at the beginning of the season and bet it on Alabama's overs, how much money would you make? And I, I need to go and look because – <laughs> probably you'd probably be pretty rich right now. Be uh, uh, cotton, buddy. Right, right. Well, Christian, we have a game we like to play with every single guest we have on the show before they run. It's called Start Bench Cut. Are you familiar with it? Of course, yeah. Okay, cool. I only asked because we had somebody one time who didn't know, and he was only giving me one answer. I'm like, dude, no, I need like all three of them ranked. Yeah. So <laughs> we do that. So this first one is just for you. Who is Alabama's biggest rival in all sports? Start, bench, cut. And Auburn's not in this one, so don't want you to have to worry about that. Start, bench, cut, Tennessee, LSU, and let's toss in Georgia. Oh, cuts Georgia easily. Um, start is obviously Tennessee. Uh, third Saturday in October, you can't beat it. That that rivalry is historic. I know, I know in football it kind of – Lost its appeal over the last, you know, X amount of years just because of how lopsided it was. But um, definitely start Tennessee and then bench LSU. I think LSU and Alabama's basketball rivalry was really good when Will Wade was here. Um, but I think it's kind of lost its luster with uh, um, McMahon or um, I forget. McMahon. Yeah, McMahon. Um I wish you would have said. I wish you would have said Arkansas. Um, Toss in Arkansas, then rank it for us that way. Oh, well, Arkansas. So Alabama basketball and Arkansas basketball rivalry is insane. Is it's absolutely crazy. So just because of that, I'd probably put that over um, LSU. So I'd probably bench Arkansas just because the the Arkansas Alabama basketball rivalry is just crazy. So that that would be my three. I understand oh that. So next one, Jordan, you can jump in on this as well. We are roughly about uh, two weeks away from Nashville in the SEC tournament. Start bench cut. Who's going to win the tournament? Tennessee, Alabama, or South Carolina? Ooh, you take this one first, Christian. You're the guest, sir. Uh, cut South Carolina, bench Alabama, start Tennessee. Carbon copy. I like it. 
Yeah, I think I mean, South Carolina is very sneaky. They are. Um, I just, I don't know. I, they, at times, they have a tendency to fade away, um, and I don't know if they have the offensive talent to to be able to keep up with the the big dogs. And I know that they beat Tennessee, and I know that they beat Kentucky, but um, I, I don't know. I it, maybe my answer will change after this week when Tennessee plays South Carolina uh, at South Carolina. So there's a very specific way South Carolina wins games. And if they can muck it up and make it slow, make you and beat and bang with you and frustrate you, they frustrate you. That's how they beat. That's how they beat good teams. Yeah. And I mean, if you go and look at the Alabama game where it was like 74 to 47, like that's why I'm not, I'm not really high on South Carolina because they, if, if you can get them out, like you said, if you can get them out of their game, then it, it might be like bad as far as scoring is concerned. Yeah, I think that's a matchup nightmare for Tennessee. Like you said, Tennessee's a matchup nightmare for Alabama. South Carolina is our matchup nightmare. We can't figure out how to play them. So I'm hoping for different results on Tuesday, but you never know. That's why you play the game. And then here's the last one. I'm going to recycle an old one we did with the Auburn guys last week. But start bench cut, best way to eat barbecue because Alabama has an interesting twist on barbecue. Memphis Dry Rub, uh, Alabama White, or Carolina Gold? I'm, I'm from the Carolinas, so I got to do Carolina Gold start. Um, and then I really like Memphis Dry Rub, so I think I'm going to bench the Dry Rub, and then Alabama White's going to be cut. That's my opinion. I know that's hot take coming from an Alabama fan, but just because I went to Bama doesn't mean I, I like my barbecue uh, Alabama way. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, which way you got it, man? Buddy, I'm gonna copy him on that. Like, I, I I like Carolina Gold. It's good, good stuff. I like it. Uh, bench Memphis Dry Rub. Cut the Alabama White, man. I've never had it though, so like I can't give an honest opinion on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got an opinion on it, and I think it's gross. Mayonnaise <laughs> does not belong on barbecue to begin with. Start Memphis. Lived out there for a while. Love the city. Love the barbecue. Can't touch it anywhere in America. Bench Carolina Gold and Alabama White's going to be the cut seven days a week and twice on Sundays. It's not even close. I also hate mayonnaise, so that. that so. <laughs> there you go. Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Christian, where can our listeners and viewers find you at on the social medias, and what have you kind of been working on lately? Yeah, so uh, like you said, uh, we're part of Crimson Crossover, which is part of the Field of Sixty Eight Media Network. Um, we uh, we do podcasts once a week um, on Crimson. Uh, it's like Crimson X over, uh, like the number X on Twitter. Um, what we're working on right now is uh, I'm actually that I'm in the car because um, going down Tuscaloosa. We're filming live from Coleman Coliseum um, in in the basketball arena tomorrow, um, and then we're also. Um, we got media credentials for college game day. We're going to do behind the scenes coverage of, of that. Um, and then normally we do like post game spaces on Twitter um, just with fans, be able to let them get their opinions out, different things like that. Um, so it's kind of what we're working on. Um, and we generally do our podcasts on uh, Tuesdays is when they come out. So you can follow us on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you, you know, get your social media content. Okay. Well, everybody, make sure you like, rake, and subscribe on the Crimson Crossover. And we're going to end the show as we always do, Christian. You're welcome to join in with your own version, but go Vols. Go Vols. Roll time.
This episode of the Ballin' Out Podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Peace of Mind Enterprises. From construction, home remodel, down to general handyman services, Peace of Mind has you covered. All technicians are licensed and insured, servicing East Tennessee with 30 plus years of experience. Call 865-202-7167 for a free estimate because nothing beats having peace of mind.